Hey everyone, welcome back to the Dealing with Lifestyle podcast. My name is Fernando Ceballos. And I'm Randy Strag. And welcome to the episode. I, I just learned this like an hour ago. Right. Um, this idea that I'm about to share. You don't control what you're curious about. You can't. Like there's something driving that curiosity that you have no control over at all. Like that. And so then the question is, well, what the hell is that? <laughs> right? Like what is driving you to be curious about some things and not the other? So like for me, I'm driven by curiosity of this reality and consciousness and affect and what are, what the hell are these things? Like I'm curious about that, but I don't know what's driving that curiosity. And that's kind of, I think that's partially, uh, Carl Jung's idea of the self, which is, uh, curiosity is the potential of who you could be and that's what's propelling you forward and then then there's uh gosh there's an extension of that too that i don't i'm blanking on right now but essentially the self is what you are and all the things you could be and curiosity is the dangling fruit saying like hey here's who you could be if you choose to chase this path but in order to really chase a path of growth you have to be willing to sacrifice what you think you know. So what about the people who who don't want to grow? Is that just a lack of curiosity? Or laziness or both? Yeah. Or um, a lack of bravery and courageousness. And I think that's dangerous. I feel like, I mean, it's it's easy, right? Just to kind of live a, a life that is just coasting. Right. Exactly. It is easier, (laughs) but it's not, it's not meaningful. But then we go into like, what is the definition of meaning? It's because I mean, again, it's just, it's all driven by, by so much stuff. Right. And so, you know, I could be looking at someone who lives out in the country and all they do is hunt and fish and drink beer every day. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's, that's their definition of, of a beautiful life. Sure. And to me, like there's no purpose there. But to them, the purpose is living on the land and just enjoying their family. Well, so I disagree yeah. with you to a point. Um, I don't think their purpose is living on the land and being with their family. I think so. Maybe the word purpose isn't the right word. Sure. Yeah. I would say they derive meaning from uh, perhaps being the one responsible for taking care of their family and for providing food and doing all that. That's meaningful to me. Is mm-hmm. like adopting the responsibility to make life better than it was that's what meaning is to me and for me and i agree with jordan peterson on the respect that to live the most meaningful life you have to find out how much responsibility you're capable of adopting and accepting and implementing and uh, i think a lot of people aren't willing to adopt responsibility and it's all being driven by the things that you know, like you said, we don't have control over the things that we're curious about. Mm-hmm. And if somebody tells you you should be curious about this and be curious about like the resp- the little responsibility that you're going after, mm-hmm. that's how you devi- define meaning and like that's good enough, right? So what I'm getting at is it's it's very difficult to to say what is a meaningful life versus not being a meaningful life. Like we don't get to define that. Every individual defines that for themselves. The same way you define what success means. Because my success is my success. And you could see it as a man. He did not, he did not succeed in his life. But to me, I could see it as a very successful life. Because it's the responsibility that I was willing to take on. What's this? So I met my, I met my goals. 
Yeah, I kind of agree, but I do think that like the idea, I think the idea of taking on responsibility as a precursor to finding meaningful life is an abstract abstraction of things true across multiple scenarios. So it's like, um, let's just say, for instance, for you, a meaningful life was being able to provide for your family. And for me, a meaningful life was being able to provide for society. Mm-hmm. Well, both of those things are true, but the abstract understanding of that is we took on the responsibility. And so that's where I say that responsibility is the abstract truth of meaning yeah i think we're saying the same thing you're just saying it prettier (laughs) maybe maybe um but yeah and that's kind of what's been driving me lately is like especially with man i (laughs) i this is a bit of a a hot take but people are too upset about shit that doesn't matter yeah and they don't care about the things that should matter yeah well i mean it's it's what people put in front of them, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's what, you're, what are you surrounding yourself with? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, we were talking about books and, and books are a huge thing, but, you know, are other people talking about books or other people talking about, you know, the Kardashians, other people talking about this? Mm-hmm. Like I said, everything has purpose. I mean, everything has its own beauty in it. Right. But to me, like, if you're only going to be driven by pop culture, mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, I don't know how else to say it, like a nicer way, but you're, you're just, you're just a drone. Right. You're just you're just being driven by certain outside motives. And you could argue at the same thing about books. Right. Yeah. I was about to make that argument. Yeah. You yeah. can argue the same thing. But, you know, what I'm getting at is is what is challenging to be better. Mm-hmm. And and to me, when I read books and again, the argument could be both but both be made both ways. But it's challenged me to be better than I was yesterday. And it's challenging me to become a better individual. Right. Right. And contribute more whenever I consume pop culture it challenges me to be more like that person. And to me, like that's, that's like the, the negative part, right? Because you're always comparing yourself to other people. And it goes out to like the foundational thing, like don't compare yourself to others. Mm, I think, yeah, I agree with you on a lot, but I also think that comparing yourself to others can translate to books too. Even if you're like reading, you know, if like you're reading a biography. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're not, you're not wrong there. Sure. But I do think that there's a lot of uh, important information in that idea alone because it's the idea. I think it's a, a grander idea of the thought that you are the people you surround yourself with. Well, you are the ideas you surround yourself with too. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like right now, I'm really concerned about this social justice movement, especially with like the cancel culture. Can't I dude? I fucking hate cancel culture. Yeah. I'm going to say that right now. Um, can't if like I, I really despise it because that is too reminiscent of Soviet uh, imprisonment. Like if you like I just finished a chapter in the Gulag Archipelago where they uh, put these intelligentsia on trial basically so that they could put them in jail and they couldn't find any dirt on them. So they started digging in their past for what dirt they could dig up to put them in jail and, or, and, or kill them. That to me is too, yeah. too fucking similar. And well, people I'm scared. Grow. People become different people. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you'd make dumb mistakes. Like that's part of being a person. Like you fuck up. Congratulations. You're human. Now here's, here's a, the, the difference though is, if you fuck up in the past and you acknowledge you fucked up, that's you being a better person in the present. Right. But if you fuck up in the past and you say, hey, no big deal, no harm, no foul, that's you being the same person you were in the past. And it's just coming to light. Sure. But uh, there's there's uh, a, 
lot of caution that has to be taken with that approach because maybe what you did in the past wasn't a bad thing, but people are saying it was. So then you have to be careful about analyzing what it, even it was in the context of what it was that you did. Yes, yes. And, and again, again, I think it's also, it's how the person takes it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, who was it? Uh, Kevin Hart was making those jokes in the past, right? Yeah. And people were like, oh, he's he's a homophobe and he's all these things. Like, it, it's that, that's what was funny back then. And it's wrong, right? But it was just a different culture back then. And in the context of it, it was different. And I'm not trying to like justify it's okay to make gay jokes. That's not what I'm trying to say. See, I, and this is another hot take. I don't feel like he was wrong. He is a comedian. The comedian. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. And the comedian, yeah. like the context of it, like he didn't do anything wrong in my opinion. He's telling a joke. Like right. he's on, he's a comedian on but Twitter. Him going up in the, in the present and explaining that, like that to me is someone who's grown as an individual. Now, if he was you know, still making a bunch of like negative jokes and still doing a bunch of stuff now in the present. And people are telling him like, Hey, that's not the right thing to do. Cause th- the context has changed. That to me is like him doing it maliciously. That's not what he was doing though. Well, malicious has its own connotations too, because it means you're doing it with the intent to harm. Well, what I mean, so do you think the word malicious is driven by, co- by culture and society or is it more about like, well, I'd say every word is driven by culture and society, yes. but, and people don't, people don't, one thing one of my college professors taught me that I think is super important is words mean things and ideas have consequences. Mm-hmm. And you need to be very careful about what words you use and why you're using them. Like right now, I think the word racism is trying to be redefined and I strongly disagree with how they're redefining it. Like that book, White Fragility, from what I understand, the thesis is essentially that any institution where, uh, the min- when, where minorities are not... Um, proportionately successful as like a non-minority that that institution is racist fundamentally which is that's wrong correct yeah. correct and that's my problem with it and what's concerning to me is how many people will read that and assume it's truth that's what's concerning to me because like that's to me well jordan Pearson talks about hate speech right and how mm-hmm. it's you, you can't allow the government to put you in jail for hate speech right right and and the idea that you're trying to blame a complex problem on a on a simple thing or you're trying to simplify a complex problem is extremely dangerous because that's what Karl Marx did in the Communist Manifesto and why I strongly disagree with the, the Communist Manifesto. The fundamental argument in that book is that all of society's problems stem from socioeconomic inequality, which is total bullshit. Like you're saying that the fact that we need shelter, food, and water, the fact that we need those things are a problem, that the, that's a problem that we have to solve is the result of socioeconomic inequality? To a certain extent, I wouldn't say every single problem, but I think I think money drives a lot of issues, education, housing, everything. You're, you're, that's a different idea. Okay. So can let's say, all right, so let's define what this problem is in this situation. So would you say that we need water, food, and shelter to survive is a problem. Yes. Okay. Would you say that that fundamental problem is the result of socioeconomic inequality? Uh, that's what you're saying, no. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's my point. And why? Yeah. I mean, we're just born as humans, and the yeah. idea is we survive. Yeah, and Karl Marx is saying all problems? No, it's short-sighted, yeah. in my opinion. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm very... I very, very strongly disagree with the Communist Manifesto. I, yeah. I think not all problems... Deru- 
not all problems derive from socioeconomic inequality. Yeah, but what I'm getting at is, I feel like it's also short sighted just to stop the conversation there, because I mean, there is a lot of. I mean, there is a lot. I hear people who say, you know, um, Ben Shapiro was the one talking to Joe Rogan about this, and yeah. Joe Rogan pushed him, and he said, "Hey, at, at the end of the day, you're saying that all it takes is for somebody to for black crime to stop and black education to you know rise. All I have to do is change it, and you're you're." There's just so much context that's not being there, right? And so, I don't think that was the argument, by the way. So, what was the argument? Um, Because Joe Rogan asked Ben Shapiro, "If you were king, what would you do to help things?" And he said, "Put more police in these areas to help protect them and keep crime rates down, and so it gives more opportunity for people to want to invest in those areas and support the the economy of those areas." But that's that's what we do in some some areas already, and then we end up with gentrification. And then those people, where do those people go? They just get displaced. I, I mean, it's it's not a simple solution, right? We don't have the answers. Well, there's, I don't, there's a lot to it. Well, gentrification is, I think, a different thing than what what Ben Shapiro is right. Talking and about. I'm not I'm not trying to bring in like all these different elements into the into the Ben Shapiro because I don't I don't want people to think I'm trying to take one specific thing out of context. Mm-hmm. So that conversation aside, let's put it away and let's just have our conversation. When you talk about People just changing, right? Mm-hmm. People are conditioned to be a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. And so from a money standpoint, we have to be able to pour money into these areas that need help with better schools to be able to help with more uh, better housing. And that in itself is going to create a d- different culture to be able to make change. But just asking people who are currently in like really bad conditions to change because they know it's better, like that's bullshit. It's like asking an addict to stop doing what they're doing it's not that simple right but i disagree that money's the solution because we're dumping a shit ton of money into these areas and nothing's happening so how do we but some i mean some of these areas i don't know i just i haven't chased the dollars and mm-hmm. i haven't seen like what's it really be important to wear but you I mean you look online you look at some of these schools like the schools are falling apart well, yeah, and the houses that people live in are falling apart. So I can even speak to schools a little bit because my friend's on the state land board and he said that um, the textbook like there's a textbook lobbying group that tries to get the Texas school board to spend 50 percent of its revenue on new textbooks every year. That's stupid. Exactly. And so it's like, well, OK, so yes, there is a, I mean, a there misa- is, yeah. there's a misappropriation of funds totally. Um, and I think that's dangerous, but even still like they're like you, you, if you really want, I agree with Ben Shapiro in the fact that we really need to have people to be safe, like in order for them to want, like that to me speaks of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So we talk about like an addict's not going to change unless like, like you're just telling an addict to stop doing it because they know they should stop doing it. Isn't going to work. Well, we have to put them in a situation where it's acceptable to change and you can only accept change when you're in a place of comfort. So that's kind of Maslow's hierarchy of things. Is like you can't pursue curiosity until you feel safe enough to pursue curiosity. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's I believe where Ben Shapiro's argument of providing more uh, police and to to keep the safety of that areas. I think that's where his argument comes from. And that's not exactly where he might stem that argument from, but that's how I'm interpreting it with my understanding of psychology and human psychology. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Right. But what what I'm getting at is the only reason I brought all of this up 
is because it, I feel like a lot of people aren't willing to dive deeper into the conversation that we're having mm-hmm. because it's all superficial. Right. And so somebody makes the argument that you just need to make this, make this place safer and put more police there. Then they leave that superficial and they go into another argument about police and about, are you trying to say that we're not safe? Are you trying to say that we're bad people? And so, we, yes, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, we are bad people. Like the point of being a good person is not that you're never going to do something bad. It's knowing that you want to do something bad, but you're choosing not to instead. Otherwise, you're just harmless. You have to understand that you're capable of evil. Everybody is. Everybody is. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of these social justice warriors don't don't even conceptualize who they are as human beings and that they're capable of doing horrible things and they want a virtue signal one way or the other and they're not capable of taking responsibility for knowing that they can be evil or using the negative actions that they're trying to other people to stop using that same thought process and steps that their other people are doing being in their own you know agenda right because i mean you see it all the time you see you see people on both sides of the aisle or this this particular topic who are acting the exact same way. Yep. And they're saying that one person is wrong versus the other. Mm-hmm. It's like, you guys are both acting the same way. Right. Your ideologies and, and opinions are very different. Mm-hmm. It's like you you can paint a tank a different color, but it's still a tank. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it's still a means of destruction if we're going to talk about it from the, the phenomenology view. Like, it's a means of destruction, but it's still, like, regardless of how you paint it, it's still a means of destruction. So how do you have these conversations with your friends? Like... It depends on the friend. Like, it depends, like, because there's a lot of foundational knowledge that's necessary to get into, like, a high, like, we talked about this earlier, but there's a certain foundation that's necessary to even conceptualize the broader topic. So it depends on who you're talking to and what foundation they already have. So sometimes those conversations are just helping plant the seeds of a foundation. And being okay with that being enough. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of, not a lot of people, some of the people that I've talked to, they just, they struggle with that idea of just planting the seed. They want to convert someone on the first conversation and that's not going to happen. Right. You're going to make yourself miserable and you're going to make that other person miserable. Mm-hmm. And you're probably going to end up doing more harm than good. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about like conversion in and of itself is like back to what we talked about earlier. If you're going to just tell someone their whole belief system is wrong, you're going to get pushback because yeah. that's how they view reality. You're basic. You're not just challenging their belief system. You're challenging their reality, which is really hard. So for me, and how I how I think the best best way to change someone's mind is to help them see the common ground to be like, hey, like this is where you and I agree on all of these things. At the same time, being open to the idea of as you're talking this conversation, there's a potential for you to even change your mind. Yeah, because you, if the same way you're going to give that person the lecture, air mm-hmm. quotes, you should be OK with them being lecturing you. Right. Well, it's like I think back to earlier, like the commonplace thing, like. I was willing to accept Ryan Holiday's um, opinion on the commonplace book and try it out. And now I see, now that I have the context of both sides of my like particular situation, I agree that my original take was better. Um, and I've even improved my, but I've improved my original take because I was able to understand Ryan's viewpoint on it. Mm-hmm. And I disagree, like I disagree with him, but that doesn't make his point any less valid. Right. And I think like, Again, we're going into deeper stuff here. Mm-hmm. And in the surface, it seems superficial, but the fact that I'm able to take your comments and not be offended by yeah. me doing it, like it's a next level, you know, understanding of your values, right? 
and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just you're wanting to live life your own way. Your own perception is different than my perception, and that's that. Right. Well, even and, and neither one of us is, is going to going to go to hell or heaven <laughs> because we choose to live a life this way. Right. And and to ex- extend on that fact, like we disagree on the commonplace book, but that doesn't mean you're wrong and I'm right. Correct. It means that hey, what we do works for us, and there's no harm in having those different viewpoints. And that's why I really wanted to make the point earlier that it's totally like you know, individual on how you choose to go about it. Like if you, like I said, if you've always been a flashcard learner, stick with it. If that's what helps, like do it. Um, but for me, it's just not how I, and again, I feel like we're sharing very like meta commentary here, (laughs) Yeah. but it goes back to the idea of what we were talking about earlier about the phenomenology stuff. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't understand that there is things outside of your own individual culture and philosophy and values and ethics, Mm -hmm. you're never going to be able to have these conversations. Right. Cause I'm going to get too caught up on the fact that Randy thinks I'm doing something wrong. Right. And I'm compromised and I'm the one who should be living a different life. And you never make those comments. No. But if I leave it at the superficial level, like this whole conversation could just be like no void, right? Right. And I think that that's kind of the the ask that I'm willing, I'm asking people listening to this is to to really think take a look at the conversation that they're having and realize like are you just leaving things at the superficial level mm-hmm. or are you going deeper? And if you are going deeper, are you trying are you taking a step back to understand the other person's ethics and the other person's values and where their background comes from? Because to your point, you have conversations with different people. But depending on the context that you have with that person and the foundation that you have, it could be the same topic. It, it can be had very completely different. Yeah. And I just don't know if enough people are challenging themselves to be calm and collected mm-hmm. to have these conversations. Granted, there's a lot of work that goes into that, right? You're mm-hmm. not going to be able to be an asshole one day and then get to a point where you're going to be able to stay calm and collected the next day. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We'll catch you next week.